everybody, welcome to Creepy Club. I'm Rissa. I'm Heidi. And this is the podcast where we talk everything creepy and crimey. It's absolutely true. Can I tell you what? I'm so glad that we have that catchphrase because I feel like before the catchphrase, I was just floundering for something to say. And now I can like write down numbers while I'm saying it because it's just, you know, muscle memory. I also feel like, as I've stated many times before, if someone wandered here by mistake, it's kind of a, um, it's your opportunity to turn the car around. Yep. Like, y'all been warned, this is a not safe for work podcast, and um, we're probably going to be discussing things that are creepy and crimey as a general trigger warning. Uh, so if that's not your thing, that's cool. There's a lot of podcasts out there, but you should probably not listen to this one. (laughs) Yeah. And I also enjoy that it features alliteration and a slant rhyme, you know, it's very satisfying. As a, um, person who does, some writing professionally i always appreciate alliteration and the correct usage of a semicolon (laughs) i'm still working on that one but speaking of alliteration do we have any creepy corrections conclusions clarifications um i'm not gonna lie i have no idea yeah and (laughs) i mean it, it also feels i mean For the listener, it has not been a long time. But for us, it has been longer than normal because we recorded early last time. So it has been like an adjustment to our schedule. So we recorded closer together than usual. Yeah. So now it feels like it's been ages since we've done this. Well, in full disclosure, I had to have emergency dental surgery this week. Oh, yeah. How did that go? Well, it was, um, it was a surprise, so I'm gonna say not great. I don't think mm-hmm. emergency dental surgery is ever the kind of surprise you want. <laughs> no. <laughs> surprise! No. Yeah, so I had a crown that's been loose for a while, and I thought it just needed to be glued back on, so I'd been using that, like, temporary shit from Walgreens. And then one day I was like, huh, it feels like it's loose. I wonder if I need to glue it back on. And I just kind of barely touched it. And not only did the crown come out, but like the whole, almost the whole tooth. Then I just had a hole with a bunch of jaggedy tooth chunks hanging out of it. Oh, God. Yeah, it was not great. And it kept scraping the side of my tongue and it was very uncomfortable. So anyway... That was my giant drama for the week. I was like, Jesus Christ. So I've been uh, stoned on Vicodin since Tuesday. Nice. Yeah, I can't, (laughs) like, it's been so painful. My husband's been waking me up to take medicine to make sure that I don't have gaps. Yeah. Um, Fortunately, he can do things like wake up to alarm clocks at random times. If we were dependent on me for that, that would never happen. Right. Uh, so I've had shitty sleep and I've been in pain since Tuesday. Anybody's guess what's going to come out of my mouth today. All right. Well, um, cool. Well, why don't we then just jump into this topic and we'll see what you have to say. (laughs) What weird thing will come out of your mouth? I mean, that's not vastly different from a regular day, but it's just highly... (laughs) Yeah. The likelihood of it being kookier than usual is definitely higher. All right. Well, I am going to talk about Alton, Illinois. One of my favorite places to go um, see cool stuff. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of cool things about Alton, but namely it is known as the most haunted small town in America. True story. Um. There's a lot of speculation as to why. Uh, 
mainly I've heard that the entire city is built with limestone and limestone tends to hang on to spiritual energy for whatever reason. Um, How do you test that? <laughs> I don't know. That's just what a lot of ghosty folks say and whatever. Um, whatever floats your goat. Right. <laughs> So, Alton, Illinois, uh, it's located across the Mississippi River and about 19 miles north of St. Louis. Um, The area was home to Native Americans for thousands of years before white people came in and, you know, did their white people thing that they do. Um, And the town was uh, really... And by that thing they do, you mean steal, rape, pillage? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. they, they I just yeah, I just decided to gloss over that, you know, because I'm a white person. So, and white people like to gloss over the terrible things that they do. Um anyway. But you're like a, you're like an eighth or something Asian, so, you know. That's true. Yeah. So, this town became really important to abolitionists and because um Illinois was a free state next to Missouri, which was a slave state. And escaped enslaved people would cross the Mississippi and seek shelter in Alton and proceed along the Underground Railroad from there. And my family has a personal connection to Alton. So if you're looking at the meeting minutes. um, Okay, that's my cue. I I have 900 tabs pulled up. And you're not even talking today. That's wild. It's just how I live. <laughs> so my great, 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 great grandfather, his name was William Harned. He built a hotel in Alton in 1833. And he met Abraham Lincoln there and Stephen Douglas, among other notable figures. Stephen Douglas was the guy that ran against Abraham Lincoln, if you didn't know, because I didn't know. So I had to look it up. <laughs> that um, is a really badass looking building yeah so this the first picture is of i i maybe i forget what time what what year that photo was taken but you know it looks closer to when it was built early 1900 it's like turn of the century architecture it's kind of got a victorian vibe yeah so it's it stands at or it stood at 506 State Street, if you want to go over to Alton and check it out. Although, um, the second picture is like a more recent picture of it, when my parents kind of went over there and looked at it. Nowadays, it's just an empty lot, which is the third picture <laughs> that I pulled from Google Street. But, um, yeah. So... Oh, lame. It's gone? Yeah. Aw, well, I'm glad it's not like a 7-Eleven, but still... Right. That's weird. That lot does not look big enough for that structure. Yeah, I agree. I I had to look at it several times because this the building next to it definitely looks the same from, you know, the the second picture to, you know, the current picture. Well, was like, it was oh, a, yeah, okay. a row house though, so they were touching. Yeah. So I guess that makes a little more sense. So there's no like gangway as we call them here yeah the but if you if you look at the first picture and then the third picture on to the right of the building there's that little brick archway that's still there it probably got restored since then but like i think that's kind of cool <laughs> yeah you can see it for sure in the mm-hmm. first picture so maybe well maybe this one did have a gangway on the right why yeah I, yeah did i think we it look did. that up once why it's called a gangway i don't remember I feel like, I don't know if that's, that might be regional slang. If you don't know what it is, all it is is a narrow path between houses that goes typically to an alley or, yeah, to an alley. It wouldn't be necessarily called a gangway if it just went to someone's house. Right. Like to their backyard. So... My great-great-great-great-grandfather, William Harned, he was also good friends with Reverend Elijah P. Lovejoy, who was an abolitionist printer who'd moved to Alton from St. Louis after his third printing press had been destroyed. He was like, oh, I'll go move out in the country. Um, 
Lovejoy had started the Alton Observer, which is an abolitionist paper in 1837. But then later that... uh Uh-huh. This is your family? So Elijah P. Lovejoy was just a friend of my... Like, I think my great-great... We're not sure exactly their relationship, but either he was a supporter of Elijah P. Lovejoy or he was, like, a friend of his. Um... And so Lovejoy is the one that started the paper. And later that year, a pro-slavery mob attacked his warehouse where the printing press was hidden. And Lovejoy and his supporters, uh, including William's son, who would be then my great-great-great-grandfather, John Wesley Harned, uh, was among the supporters with Lovejoy in the building and they tried to defend the warehouse but Lovejoy was shot and killed in the process and he became like this um, martyr for the anti-slavery movement and there's a lot of um, I think there's like there's a restaurant in Alton called Elijah's I mean it's like a really huge major part of Alton's history and then that's super cool my family's history is not as attractive a bunch of them were slave owners and they were merchant class and Mm -hmm. came pretty like i think um on my mom's side of the family the first first family member came in like the mid 1600s so a lot of them were asshole slave owners right so um wish they would have been abolitionists or supporters that'd be a nicer tale so after elijah lovejoy was shot and killed the mob destroyed his printing press by breaking it into pieces and throwing it in the river um and then he was buried in an unmarked grave in the alton city cemetery um and i think they did that because they didn't want people to you know exhume him or anything um bad uh, and they eventually gave him a full gravestone and all that. But in 1897, Alton citizens erected a 110-foot-tall monument at the cemetery. Uh, and there's oh, there's a picture of John Wesley Harned and his wife Mary Matilda, which is kind of cute. Um, and then the next picture is the Elijah P. Lovejoy Monument at the Ultimate Alton Ultimate (laughs) the Alton Cemetery which I is still standing and I have visited and when I went I went in 2017 with my parents and we found uh, my great 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 grandfather's name on the monument as well so oh my um, god they're so cute Elijah and his wife what was yeah aren't they cute Mary Mary, it's on the picture. Mary Matilda. <laughs> they she look has, really nice, don't they? <laughs> yeah, she has those sweet... Well, she has those eye crinkles you only get if you're a person that smiles a lot. Yeah. And they, they, and they both kind of have smiles, which are it was unusual for that time period, right? I mean, like, not that people didn't smile, but that people didn't smile in photographs. I gotta say, Elijah's got a little twinkle of mischief. Yeah, yeah. That's not Elijah. That's uh, John Wesley, who is a supporter of Elijah. Okay, well, either way, he's got a little twinkle of mischief in his eye, and I like it. So, and then, to the next photo is the Lovejoy Monument, and then under that is a close-up of, like, some of the stonework that's around the monument, and you can see William Hardin's Harned's name on the right side kind of where the like it's it's a rectangle and so on the side facing uh the camera is on the right top part um okay davis morse brown noble mueller thompson oh there it is uh yeah uh, Owen Lovejoy. Okay. Well, no. I s- <laughs> so, okay. My great, 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 great grandfather's name was William Harned. 
He was a supporter of Reverend Elijah P. Lovejoy, who was the famous abolitionist. And then the guy in the picture is William Harnett's son, John Wesley Harnett, who was there when Elijah P. Lovejoy was murdered. Then William Harnett is the guy that's on this monument. Okay, so I see Harnett and I see Lovejoy, and Harnett is your relative. Yes. Okay. I'm assuming, I just, yeah. Go ahead. If I would have known I was going to be on Vicodin, I would have requested. <laughs> a I know it's family. a little confusing. It's probably only a little confusing because of chemistry. Um, <laughs> but you can, I mean, if you want to look at my family tree, you can go to doncrozier.com. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, okay, what's interesting to me, though, is that the monument, what's on the top of it, the angel with the horn, yeah, looks just like um, Maroni, who is... I guess an angel, a saint, something like that. That's always on the top of the Mormon temples. And I call him macaroni because I'm full of blasphemy. But he <laughs> looks just like macaroni. Yeah. Huh. I wonder why. I don't, I don't know. know. And I like that he's, um, he's like super into it. So he's just on one foot. Yeah. He's like, I'm, I, it's like when, people stick out their tongue if they're thinking really hard I only i can only have one foot on the ground while i blow this mm-hmm. one okay so, so speaking of the alton city cemetery this is the first haunted place we're going to be talking about um official records for the city cemetery date back to 1835 although an early cemetery register states that a burial took place on the grounds in 1812 so it could go as far back as that um the cemetery is a final is the final resting place of many Union soldiers and home to a number of spirits that haunt the ground. Uh, Lucy Haskell, a nine-year-old girl who died of diphtheria, is said to appear near the Hainer Haskell Monument. She appears mostly to other children and is very playful and curious. A woman dressed in black also appears um, but she appears in the hallways of the Grand View Mausoleum which is unfortunately now it's closed to public but uh, still stands on the grounds of the cemetery and Elijah P. Lovejoy himself is said to lurk near his monument which um, which we have a picture of and he also his grave is also the next picture down it's a picture that I took when I went there um, okay, and I just looked up diphtheria because we have a vaccine for it now that you should get if you haven't already gotten it, which I certainly hope that you have. Um, it's not too late. You can get it at any age. Diphtheria is a serious infection caused by strains of bacteria called corny bacterium. It's kind of a funny name, diphtheriae, that make toxin can lead to difficulty breathing, heart failure, paralysis, and even death. So get those vaccines, folks. That poor kid died of that. We don't we don't want that coming back. True. Um, so apparently a number of the crypts had been broken in the cemetery had been broken into a long time ago and are now vacant save for the occasional unhoused person using them as shelter. Uh, no one, yeah, I know, right? Like cold cemetery, nobody's going to be around. That's great. Um, no, I mean, I don't think anyone who's, I don't think the dead people are going to mind. Right. No one knows what happened to the original occupants of the crypts. Um, people report feeling cold spots, even in the summer heat with no explanation. Um, and a lot of this info and the following story that I'm going to read uh, came from this blog called Ghost Hunter Girls. Fun. She says, they my most... like they should be our new friends. Yeah, they, sh- they should listen to the podcast <laughs> if, if they don't already. They should hang out with us. Is what yeah, totally. Yeah. My most memorable experience at this resting place for the dead began on a hot August day. I bought brought with me my digital camera and audio recorder, as well as a K2 meter, which I think is an EMF meter, electromagnetic field, 
detector and began scouting out the area to get a feel for the lay of the land. As I had a oh, as I had a private nighttime tour arranged later that evening. I spent some time near both the mausoleum and the Lovejoy monument, snapping pictures and pausing to do EV, EVP sessions here and there. And it was when I began approaching the soldier's burial section of the graveyard that I walked right through it, an unexplainable cold spot that chilled me to the bone, despite the midday summer heat. I cannot explain what caused this drop in temperature, and it remained stationary long enough for me to pass my hand through it and feel the temperature difference before it vanished as suddenly as it had appeared. I hope to return sometime in the future with a temperature gauge to document this phenomena, should I ever be lucky enough to count, encounter it again? Huh. This person also recorded some EVPs and captured some, you know, orbs and photos, which you can find uh, on the page I've linked to in the meeting minutes. Okay, can I play skeptic for a minute? Sure. So we have many, many caves in this area, and I wonder if that causes cold spots that you can feel above ground. Yeah. I think that's plausible. I mean, I don't know that that's true. I'm just wondering, I'm wondering aloud if it's possible that, you know, maybe she was standing on top of a cavern or a cave or, you know, something where it would have had a consistently lower temperature. Yeah. And she just maybe. happened to notice it. Mm hmm. Or it could be a ghost. Either way. It could way. be a ghost. It could be a ghost passing through your body and stealing part of your soul. Um, That's why you should never have your picture taken. So the next place we're going to talk about is the Mineral Springs Hotel. And there's a picture of the Mineral Springs back in 1938. It looks relatively the same as it did back then. There's less awnings, but... Um, uh, we get our generous benefactor. I super want to go there. Oh, sure. I mean, uh, it's now an antique mall, so you can just, you know, oh. just, we can just go. Um, and they do ghost, they could do ghost tours and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, they we'll shut go. shut down the hotel? Oh, yeah, it's been... So, okay, well, I'll tell you the history. So, the Mineral Springs Hotel was originally going to be um, ice storage for August and Herman Luer, who had a successful meatpacking company, but they discovered a fresh, they discovered fresh spring mineral-rich water while drilling and decided to pivot and open the building as a hotel and spa. It became quite the hot destination after it opened in 1914. And Mineral Springs, Mineral Springs in general were like super popular back then because they were, they thought that the Mineral Springs were, have like healing properties if you bathed in them and that kind of thing. I think people still do this. Um, I went to one in Hot Springs last summer with some friends. It was a very, I'll have to post some pictures of that sometime. Okay. Making note to self, uh, Hot Springs uh it's a very old-timey unusual experience like you definitely feel like you are walking through time because nothing about the space had changed where i went (laughs) it still looked the same and Mm -hmm. some of the equipment was rather primitive looking So Mineral Springs Hotel boasted that they had the largest swimming pool in Illinois and the biggest dining table in Alton that held 26 people. (laughs) That's a really interesting thing to... I know. (laughs) Get all your friends. Yeah. It thrived well into the 1960s until it started losing its popularity, and it eventually closed in 1971 and was condemned because of the state of disrepair. But in 1978, yeah, in 1978, Robert Schubert restored the building and turned it into a shopping mall, which has operated off and on since then. Um, And yeah, so today, like, I think I would say the majority of the building is still pretty unfinished. Um, It's it's traversable like uh, they do ghost tours where they take you on a tour of the whole building and you go into those like hotel rooms and stuff but 
you know, there's not really much, there's still structure there, but there's not much in the way of like flooring or walls. <laughs> it's just so kind of not a particularly accessible place for people who need mobility aids. That's true. I don't think, yeah, I don't remember. There is a big staircase. I don't remember any um, elevators, although that's possible that they have, like, freight elevators that we didn't use. But anyway. Nothing um, that screamed accommodations. Right. There is, the, the swimming pool is still in the basement, although it's not filled with water, but you can... Um, Part of the tour is, like, going down into the pool and doing, like, a darkroom session. Um, so several... Darkroom, like, a spirity kind of darkroom? Yeah. Like, turning off all the lights and just uh, sitting <laughs> with the ghosts. <laughs> um, several, several ghosts are sent, said to haunt the location. A 17-year-old man named Clarence, who drowned in the pool, is sometimes seen by guests wearing a brown suit in the pool area. And you can find his death certificate on display in the lobby of the mall. Um, another ghost who... Unexpected. That's a really... Yeah, I think that... So the people that work there, they have this sort of pride in that, you know that this place is haunted and that they have like evidence of people who've died there, which somehow they translate that into evidence that these ghosts are real. I mean, I get it. Uh, I don't think it, obviously I don't think it means that the ghost is real, but you know, I just don't know that I would display someone's death certificate. As much as I love, I mean, I do have the femur of a dog displayed on the china cabinet in my living room. (laughs) Yeah. So it's not like I'm opposed to things that are, what's the word I want? Macabre. Is that the right word? Yeah. That's one one of those French words. Did I say it right? Yeah, you did. Okay. I mean, you said it the way that Americans say it. Um, what would we say if we were in France? I don't, I don't even want to (laughs) guess. Okay. Well, anyway, I'm not opposed to things that are in that genre, but I don't know. Death certificate just seems disrespectful somehow. Yeah. A little invasive. Yeah. Something. Anyway, carry on. Thank you. You're welcome. Another ghost who haunts the pool is a little girl named Cassandra, who is thought to have drowned during a birthday party. I think the story is that she fell and hit her head and fell into the pool. Um, Visitors have reported hearing her screams and seeing little wet footprints near the pool. That's so weird. That is like the second time this week the name Cassandra has come up. My daughter was telling me that her boyfriend just randomly out of the blue told her that the name he hates more than any name in the whole wide world is Cassandra, (laughs) which we thought was hilarious. Um, Yes. And I also know a Cassandra who's hit her head numerous times. Wow. That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And Paco's getting noisy for whatever reason. So sorry about that. Um, What up, Pac? People like to leave toys out for Cassandra, uh, specifically marbles, which seem to roll around as if driven by some unseen force. Uh, And in an interview from Riverbender.com, owners Dave and Donna Nunnally of the metaphysical shop called It's Raining Zen, which is located in the Mineral Springs Mall, uh, share their experiences they've had while running their business. it's Raining Zen is a great uh, name for a metaphysical shop, by the I way. I was going to say A plus on the name. I've been there several times. Um, it's a great shop. Uh, when they opened their store in the building, they started finding little pink agates everywhere, um, which are stone, like um, some a sort of oh. stone, I guess you would call it. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's one not of a those gemstone, stone, but. No, it's one of those that people usually polish, though. Yeah. I've had a, I 
I call them agate, which is probably wrong. Oh, I just I make know. up how I... If I don't know how something's pronounced, I just make <laughs> it up and roll with it. Most people do. So, I... I don't know where I got that from. I'm sure I heard somebody else say, I don't know. Anyway, so they started finding little pink agates everywhere. And um, pink is commonly associated with Cassandra as sometimes she is seen as a pink orb floating around the pool. Uh, That's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I I, if I'm going to see an orb, I want it to be a pink orb. <laughs> and I hope she's having a good time. I'm right. going to start calling Paco Bob Cratchit, because wasn't he the <laughs> ghost in A Christmas Story rattling the chains? Yeah, yeah. He definitely That's has he, chains that he rattles in his cage. Yeah, it's totally the... Oh, uh, and Penny has also joined us, so... What like, up, I, I, I purposefully wanted to... We're recording a little earlier than we usually do, and I purposely did that so the animals would be quiet, and now they have wow. proven me wrong, so... You can't outsmart cats or birds, so... <laughs> That's true. So, another spirit named Pearl, who met her end in the room just above their shop, sometimes lets out a high-pitched hi when Donna tries to communicate with her. That's nice. <laughs> I mean, at least that sounds like it's friendly. Yeah. If it was like, hey, I'd be like, mm -hmm. ah, you know, or how my husband whispers, I love you in my ear, which is <laughs> so, f whispering is creepy. If you love somebody, don't whisper at them. It's just not right. Yeah. He'll be like, I love you. I'm like, would <laughs> you fucking stop it? How can you make the nicest three words put together sound creepy mm -hmm. he thinks he's hilarious it kind of reminded me of when like reading about the high-pitched high it reminded me of like paco because he he always he says hi a lot and so sometimes it's very loud and high-pitched he's just like hi <laughs> sometimes he kind of whispers though doesn't he who paco yeah yeah he uh he says hi too and doesn't it sound creepy when he does it like that I think it's really cute. I've never found it to be creepy. I mean, I think Paco's gorgeous. He's yeah. more than just cute. Yeah, and when I started he... posting videos of him, like, whispering, people were like, oh, God, that's so creepy. And I'm like, I never found it creepy. I just always thought it was so endearing. <laughs> like, he's whispering, like, hi, you know, like. <laughs> hey, cute. Mom. Mm -hmm. What's shaking? <laughs> Um, and so evidently the spirit of Pearl prefers the company of women, although they don't elaborate why. Another spirit of a woman named Mary likes to, likes to communicate with men. She fell down the stairs of the hotel to her death, although the circumstances surrounding her fall remain a mystery. Some people think she was pushed. Some people think she just fell. Um... She's often called the Jasmine Lady because of the strong smell people experience. And I'm wondering, because oh, some people... Oh, Jasmine perfume. That's the worst. Some people see... Okay. Some people smell Jasmine as cat urine, and some people smell it as as flowers. And so, like, I wonder... You know, because it's, it's kind of like... Like, you know, some people taste cilantro, like cilantro as soap. Yeah. 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 I smell it as a migraine is what I smell it as. That's what it smells like to me. It's um, jasmine essential oil, totally different story. But jasmine scented perfume is always a strong. I like jasmine they tea. They usually market as an oriental blend, which I don't understand how we're still using that word for certain things, but... Well, That's from from my understanding, you, you don't you don't refer to a human as Oriental, but you can refer to an Oriental rug or Oriental food. I guess I don't know. I actually don't know if it's correct to use for food, but I I would guess no because <laughs> no, that's a very I mean when you're yeah. talking about 
Asia's a big place. You can definitely be more specific than Oriental. Mm-hmm. And that's describing someone's culture. I'm not sure why trains, rugs, and um, apparently perfume get a pass. I don't really know. All I know is that anyone who wears those air quotes Oriental style perfumes gives me a fucking migraine. That's what <laughs> I know. Anyway, so another pungent spirit, Charlie, haunts the former bar of the hotel and smells very strongly of alcohol. Uh, During his life, Charlie had accumulated such a high bar tab that the city made him paint a mural. (laughs) So he was an artist? Yeah, uh, well, I I guess. They don't say, but I would hope so. (laughs) If he was just a drunk, that would be... Terrible. I hope that it was paint by numbers if he had no artistic talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also kind of love that as a community service right. demand. Yeah. Um, you, sadly, you dr- though, he committed suicide before the mural was complete. Oh, well, that's a bummer. Yeah. The people hired to finish the mural reported that they had a terrible time of it, although the article doesn't really elaborate what that means. I assume his spirit made it bad for them. The way that people used to talk was so vague. (laughs) Everything was, nobody was direct, hardly ever. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to, everything was inferred, conferred, inferred. That's mm-hmm. the one I want. So uh, it's hard to know. Right. There was an article I found on HuffPo that had an interesting story about Cassandra. Although the article is kind of written in a way that suggests that it might be a work of fiction. I don't know. I couldn't really tell, but it's a good story nonetheless. Um, it starts with the author of the article, Richard Bangs, taking a tour of the McPike Mansion, which I'm going to talk about later, uh, and then moving on to Mineral Springs. And he said he was with a paranormal investigator who had an EMF reader. Uh, they called out to Cassandra, and the lights on the meter began to flash. And this is a quote from the article. Jasper, my seven-year-old son, seems to connect with Cassandra and they start to communicate. He talks to her and seems to hear her response. He shakes her hand. And after a spell, he says out loud, I love you, Cassandra. And the lights on the device began to flash rapidly. Jasper has become a ghoul's best friend. She's using too much energy, Brandon cries. Who Brandon is the uh, paranormal investigator. And there are half a dozen of us on the tour. We all aim our cameras and all our lights and recorders in her direction. And then suddenly all of our, all of our devices go dead and the room goes dark. Cassandra sucked all the energy from our batteries. Okay. I'm going to risk sounding judgy, but I'm not sure how I feel about this kid being a part of this experiment. Yeah. I think that, that is probably not a great idea. Hmm. That's an interesting take on it. I didn't really find well, it. Well, if, I mean, so kids are just so impressionable. Is this kid going to be thinking they're seeing ghosts everywhere they go? I mean. Some some kids do. <laughs> I don't know. Well, if they see it on their own, okay. I don't know if I would be encouraging them to see things Mm -hmm. that could get dark and weird really fast and then you're at the psychiatrist yeah maybe i mean some i would also think that it could go well too you know i mean like i think a lot of things have a tendency to be either bad or good depending on how you I don't, you know, I don't know i and like i said i don't even know if the story's true i don't know if jasper sees ghosts all the time i don't know you know it's whatever it's not really worth discussing i'm not saying they're bad people i'm just feeling a little conflicted about his participation that's all 
So Ghost Adventures did an episode on the McPike Mansion and the Mineral Springs Hotel, and it was season 17, episodes 12 and 13, if you're interested. I I wanted to watch it before recording, but I did not, but I want to, um, or I will in the future. So the next place is the First Unitarian Church in Alton. Uh, it was built around 1830. Um, and it has been burned down to the foundation twice since then, once in 1854 and again in 1901. Uh, and it was, it was rebuilt to its current configuration in 1905. The Reverend Philip Mercer came to the First Unitarian Church in 1928 from England at the age of 18. And he was well-liked and well-respected. And he was really, he was known for his eloquent sermons. People would come from all over to hear him speak. But something changed when Philip went on a vacation in 1934. When he got back, he started rapidly losing weight, although a doctor couldn't find anything wrong. Um, But, you know, this is 1934. So during his Sunday service, Philip was shaking and trembling. And normally strong speaker was stumbling over his words He reportedly left the church the next afternoon and did not return. When no one saw him for several days, a friend checked the church, found the lights on. Philip's study was ransacked, and Philip was hanging by his neck in the doorway to his study. No one knows if it was a murder or a suicide. I think it was officially pronounced a suicide, but I think there's a lot of people that think it might have been a murder just because his study was ransacked, but Philip could have done that. Who knows? Um, yeah, and like, he was like, fuck this, and just knocked everything off his desk. Maybe. So Philip's body is now located in the Grandview Mausoleum and in the Alton City Cemetery, which we talked about before. Uh, the basement of the church may have been used for the Underground Railroad, and people have heard disembodied voices coming through, coming from a small room down there. Uh, shadow shadow figures are seen throughout the church as well as doors opening and closing and the sound of the piano playing by itself apparitions of a man in white in a white shirt and black pants have been seen uh, and people also sense a male presence who seem to want everyone to leave it's like a hostile presence um i visited the church years ago on a ghost tour uh, and during the tour some people in the group started suddenly, like, suddenly gasped uh, because the pendant light that was hanging near the archway where the reverend uh, hung himself was, mm-hmm. like, suddenly started swinging by itself. Ooh. And I also took some pictures and got some, like, white mist in my photos, and I tried to find them, but... I, It would have taken me ages and I didn't want to put that much work into it. But if I ever come across them, I'll I'll post them to our blog or to our Instagram or something like that. Fair enough. Um, Alton is not only the most haunted small town in America, but it is also the birthplace and home to the tallest person in recorded history. Yes, he makes my husband look short. Robert Wadlow, also known as the Alton Giant, was 8 foot and 11.1 inches tall and weighed 439 pounds at his death at the age of 22. He lived... Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, realistically, that's kind of skinny for being 8.5 feet tall, or almost 9 feet tall. Right. Uh, he lived from February 22nd, 1918 to July 15th, 1940. His height was due to hyperplasia of his pituitary gland, which resorts in an abnormally high level of human growth hormone. And if he had not died, he may have kept on growing. Yeah, I knew, um, I had a boyfriend whose brother had the same disorder and he had to take, start taking hormones when he was 12 or 13 and by the time he was 16 he was already like six eight mm-hmm. or so, six six so robert they, was as tall as i am at four years old can you imagine a five foot four four year old <laughs> no 
that's a nightmare is what that is. Yeah. How are you going to get that kid to do anything? Right. By the time They're he was... going to be like, mm-mm. By the time he was eight years old, he was taller than his father at six foot and had to have a special desk for him built for him at school. And by the time he graduated, he was eight four, although he required oh, although he required leg braces leg braces to walk, he had and had little feeling in his legs and feet. He never used a wheelchair. He toured with the Ringling Brothers Circus in nineteen thirty six and became a celebrity. He refused the circus's request that he wear a top hat and tails and instead chose to wear his normal clothes. Good for him. The International Shoe Company provided him with shoes for free, which were size 37, in exchange for... Oh my god! (laughs) In exchange for Robert doing a promotional tour for them in 1938. He was said to have great physical strength until later in his life. During a promotional appearance in 1940, one of his leg braces broke and injured his leg, and he got an infection, and due to an autoimmune disorder, his condition worsened despite treatment, and he died on July 15th. Uh, And you can take a picture with a life-size statue of him across from the Alton Museum of History and Art in Alton. I should take the hubs there to take his picture. He never gets to have his... He's always the tallest person. Yeah. Um, another interesting feature of Alton, Illinois, is the Piasaw Bird, which is a cliff yes. painting that overlooks the Mississippi River. Um, the earliest account of these cliff paintings was that of Jacques Marquette, a French explorer who wrote about them in his diary in 1673. Piasaw, in the language of the Illini tribe, signifies the bird that devours men. Um, oh, and I... I haven't been referring to my meeting minute pictures, but there's a picture of the first Unitarian church. There's a picture of Robert Wadlow next to a uh, regular sized man. And then under that is the Piasa bird. And it is a monster. <laughs> it's like, it's a really creepy looking bird. If you ask yeah. me, it, I mean, if it's, what did you say? It's supposed to eat people. It's the bird that devours men. Yeah, um, it it's looks got, like it would, and its back looks like it has a giant stake on it. Yeah, I think that's the underside of its wing, maybe. And it's it's got, like, a kind of an ugly human face with, like, sharp teeth and antlers and, like, a scorpion kind of tail. And then, like, eagle talons. It's creepy looking, but... Um, not friendly. According to legend, the Piasaw terrorized Native American villages, killing many people until it was finally killed. Chief Uataga or Uatoga offered himself as bait while his warriors ambushed the Piasaw with poisoned arrows, and Chief Uatoga was killed in the process. Although I did the article I pulled that from said that that legend is likely untrue, <laughs> which I was like, well. Probably. Um, So, yeah, those are some cool things about uh, Alton. But let's get back to the haunted stuff. So in 1869, construction for the McPike Mansion started by architect Lucas Pfeffenberger. It was completed in 1871 and was home to Henry Guest McPike, who served as Alton's mayor from 1887 to 1891 and was a noted horticulturalist. He invented the McPike grape, which made some good wine, apparently. Um... I don't know if invented is the right word, but anyway, so the McPike mansion was bought by Paul Latchinger in 1925, who rented the rooms out to other people. His tenants report, I think he lived there also, and then rented rooms out. His tenants reported experiencing strange things like the sounds of children playing and laughing when none were present. Very creepy. Probably the creepiest thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much, that's, yeah, that's why that Freddy Krueger song so Oh, yeah. The mansion was abandoned after Paul's death in 1945, um, but then in 1994, Sharon and George Lukey 
purchase the home at auction and have aspirations of restoring and opening a bed and breakfast. Although it has um, been a very arduous and expensive process. They said, like, I think on the website, she said it took, like, it takes $2,000 to replace one window. So the the whole, yeah, the whole restoration is upwards of, you know, multiple millions of dollars. So they, yeah, the loot keys, the, the house isn't, the entirety of the house isn't open to the public because it's not safe. It's not up to code. Um, but the loot keys host events in the wine cellar and on the property to raise money for its restoration. So, you know, if y'all are interested in history and ghosts and and contributing to a good cause, go check that out. It's fun um, and it's a cool place. So Sharon Ludke says she was not aware that the house was haunted when she bought it. Surprise! Um, Six weeks after closing on the house, she was tending the yard when she happened to look up and see a man in a striped shirt and tie standing in the window watching her. And a moment later, he disappeared. After researching the history of the mansion, Sharon came across a picture of Paul Leichinger, and he looked exactly like the man she saw in the window. Mm, No, no, thank you. (laughs) People have seen figures throughout the house. Footsteps are heard pacing the hallways and staircase. Objects vanish and reappear. uh, And many report being touched by an invisible presence. Oh, no, thank you. The McPike Mansion's website features EVPs and many photographs of orbs and strange phenomena captured in photos, as well as a picture of a fi- of a figure in the window. And like I mentioned before, the McPike Mansion has been featured on Ghost Adventures, and it's also been featured on Scariest Places on Earth and Factor Faked Paranormal Files. Uh... Oh, Paco's getting in a fight with his toy. I can hear him grunting and <laughs> moving around. I was going to say, it sounds serious over there. Yeah. Well, and shout out to my friend Courtney's father-in-law, Len Adams, who does a lot yeah. of tours over in Alton. And if you'd like to learn more about Len and some of the work that he does, there's an episode called The Mermaid House, where I went and interviewed him. He does a lot of tours with... What that? What's that guy's name? Troy Taylor. Taylor over in Alton. He's another. Um, he was like, I guess Troy's like un, un like studied under apprenticed or something. I guess mm-hmm. is the equivalent. Um, but they do a lot of those tours over there. They also have. Um, I I assume they're not having it this year, but every year there's a haunted America conference, and I went. Um, in 2017 and it was like it was super fun it was a bunch of lectures from uh, people in the paranormal community and i think len adams was there and gave a talk and and troy taylor and um and then there was like the um oh what's it called the it was the traveling museum of paranormal stuff i forget the exact name of it um but i've talked about them on previous podcasts and so they were there as well and gave a talk and like had all their stuff on display and there was like a weird creepy doll that yeah or like a a statue named um billy that like likes women he's like mischievous yeah i talked about him on like a i think it was called like haunted objects or something like that um and anyway so yeah uh check that out if you're interested although you know not a great time for conferences right now uh in in 2017 when i went to that conference i also we went part of the conference was a you could go on a tour of the grounds of the mcpike mansion and the wine cellar and it so i went there with my parents and some friends and the tour ended in a dark room with a dark room session in the wine cellar. Um, I didn't really experience much other than like I had my dowsing rods and they were kind of moving around. Uh, but my mom said she saw a black mass swirling in front of her face. Blah. Right. 
Uh, and I did catch an orb in one photo that I took of the mansion, which is the next photo under the photo of the McPike mansion. Um, and that's, you know, it's an orb. <laughs> it's probably a bug, but. Uh, I feel like yeah. I believe your mom though. And if mama Gail says she saw it, I'm going to believe it. Yeah, I believe her. Uh, so a friend of the show, Bree, I um, reached out to her. Bree's been on the show as well. She's um, story time with Bree. It's her episode. Very uh, popular one. Very popular episode. And I reached out to her because I knew that she had ties to Alton. I think that maybe her and her husband lived there for a little bit. Maybe. I don't know. But her mother-in-law uh, lived there, worked there. Bree can correct me later. But Something anyway, like Bree sent me stories from her mother-in-law, Vanessa. And Vanessa says that the Lewis and Clark College's library is haunted um, by a ghost named Harriet. Um, Vanessa said she took a book off the shelf and saw out of the corner of her eye books moved to fill in the gap that she had made. <laughs> Ooh, uh-uh. And also, Vanessa worked the custodial night shift in the cadaver room at the Alton Dental School. She said, Ooh. yeah. She said doors would open and close by themselves and she would hear knocking in weird places. Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh-uh. Brie promised me more stories, so I might update everybody I feel like as Bree's we go. Got on. So many stories. Yeah, man. She's she's like she's got them all. She's haunted. <laughs> she, yeah, she's haunted. No, well, she just she's got all the good stuff. She's, yeah. So once we uh once we're going in public again, you know, after someday. the someday someday we wear a fucking mask and I didn't that came out strongly. <laughs> if everyone could please remember to what you what be, you doing over there? Oh, sorry. Well, remember I told you I was building my prototype because I got some DIY instructions that I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And I was moving my... I'm building it out of cardboard and I was scraping. Sorry, I forgot where I was for a minute. Um, But <laughs> if, if you could pretty please, so kindly, wear a mask and wear it correctly. Um, they're not earrings, nor are they chin protectors your chin really doesn't need any protection generally speaking the best way to wear it is over your nose and mouth at the same time um and over pulled over your chin when you think you're going to be around people and then if you could do your best to be at least six feet away from everyone that would be super fantastic and we could really make a lot of gains in getting to leave the house again someday. So once we can leave the house again someday, we should do a creepy club meetup over in Alton. Do one of those ghost tours because it's super fun. And Alton is such a cute town. There's a lot of antique stores and um, arts, artsy places. It's really great. So Hell yeah. And I bet I could get something set up private like for us with len because he's like cool he's mr easy breezy he's fantastic so Mm -hmm. um i bet we could get something organized with him he's just he's a cool he's a cool dude he's a peach he is a peach love a peach well that does it for my Alton talk. Do you have anything more that you would like to say? Do you have any more mask suggestions? <laughs> Pardon my outburst. Um, <laughs> I No, I think it needs to be said, although I feel like we're probably preaching to the choir. I mean, probably. And so not everybody's fucking it up, but they're, it's, I'm like, I... I'm an extrovert people, but I live with a high risk person. So I am basically 
pretty much stuck in my house unless I absolutely need to go somewhere. So if you could get your shit together, that'd be great. Yeah. And not just for that, just like people are dying that don't need to die. And it makes me really mad that you don't care. Right. All right. But well, that, that was funny. That's my cue that, that I need to wrap it up. That was the sweetest she's ever sounded in her whole oh. life. Oh, it's because she wants food. So, um, oh, well, I think both my animals are hungry. Cat agenda. Yep. Uh, so, thank you, Brayden Hensey, for our intro and outro music. You can find oh, his podcast uh, on YouTube. If you have any personal stories, especially about Alton, Illinois, or whatever you want, really, uh, if you have got a good story, then tweet us at creepyclubpod, email us at creepyclubpodcast at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash creepyclubpodcast. You can follow us on Instagram at creepyclubpodcast. You can follow me at risboomba, R-I-S-B-O-O-M-B-A-H. You can follow Heidi at creepyclubheidi. You can follow my loud annoying pets at penny and paco although they're very cute so you'll want to follow them i was gonna say they're not annoying they're adorable (laughs) paco is they both can be very annoying but anyway uh go look at the pictures that i posted on the meeting minutes i've got several photos from my personal stash so that's exciting i've never done that before for an episode um super cool yeah, go to creepyclubpodcast.com, check out the meeting minutes for this episode, and you can see all my sources as well. Um, if you like this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcast app that you prefer, and go ahead and tell your friends, because they need entertainment right now, I'm sure. So, thank you guys so much for listening. Stay safe, stay sane, um, be cool. Be nice, wear a mask, social distance, wash your hands, don't touch your face, keep listening to our podcast, and thank you. Meeting adjourned! Oh, sorry. Psych. Oh no, it's okay. It's okay, I was gonna say, don't pick your nose. Um, see ya! <laughs> Meeting adjourned! Bye! <laughs> that, oh man, I really screwed that one up. Oh well. Oh no, it's all good.